Knockout Ginger, episode 49 with Thompson Egbo Egbo. Piano player, band leader, teacher, composer, community builder. The Thompson T. Egbo Egbo Arts Foundation provides a resource for Canadian youth to advance in music and the arts by exposing them to arts and music and providing a platform for them to build their confidence and leadership and teamwork skills and a safe environment to express themselves artistically. Um, For more information, you can visit egbofoundation.org. If you want to donate, you can visit canadahelps.org. Thanks for listening. Email me at knockoutginger at gmail.com. F all the haters. What's been going on? Oh, man, not much. Just, uh, yeah, figuring it's, a, it's just, you know, man, you're like, you th- I'm trying to figure out what the other side of this is and when it, the other side of this is right. Just, just meaning like, you know, I don't want to be like history tells us like clearly with anything, you know, whether it's good or bad, things will change. Right. So eventually this will be eventually. Right. And so, but what does that look like? And coming, you know, at the onset of this looking like it's going to be a very short blip, we want to remember it will be, a, you know, we'll be through this very shortly. And then a year later, we're still like, okay, when is this going to end? You know, and when is life going to, I wouldn't say return to normal, but when are, is life going to give us some of the things that it once gave us, you know, some of the meaning, some of the connection, um, and how quickly can we get there, you know? And everyone has a way of that of what that looks like and uh you know who knows right but i just like would like to get there <laughs> you know yeah. I'm, I'm definitely at the place where it's like yo can i just give somebody a hug you know um how how odd that's gonna be yeah um what's funny is watching tv right now so watching tv right now and seeing people close in proximity hugging like doing all the normal things and kind of having almost like a visceral reaction to that and yeah. just be like, Oh, like, Oh yeah. Like at some point in time we could do that and we will be able to hopefully do that again or get back to that. And <laughs> yeah, I've been pretty, I think I've been pretty positive throughout this, but some days it's just been like, Oh, like how do, how does, how do we get out of this? But I don't know. I think it's, it's nice to um, sort of, maybe feel like we're on the the back half of this but that might even be wishful thinking but i think um i i get i get rushes of of like positive energy like yeah. oh we're almost we're almost almost there and then i read a news article and then yeah, yeah. you know it's just a spiral of, oh for sure of crazy but 
Yeah. I don't know. The TV thing is super weird. Some like you, uh, even the shows that are incorporating masks. Yeah. And then you see them in a scene and they're not wearing masks and you kind of go like, oh, what? They're all going to, and you, you sort of have like another reaction to them not yeah. following pro. It's just like a whole yeah. psychological, I, like, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, they're messing with us. Yeah. I mean, you know, as, as a friend of mine would say, we're packed animals and, or, or sorry, we're pack animals um and we need people right and so regardless of what you know where this is headed at some point it has to head to us connecting with each other on a on a very intimate level being able to touch each other um you know because like there's healing not to get all like spiritual or anything like that but like there's healing and touch you know like we need to be able to connect with people like that and uh and have that you know that contact so um it's been, yeah, it's been kind of just like funny. Actually, one of the things also I was thinking about is uh, s- some of the insight it's given me into some of my friends' lives. So like things that you're not necess- you don't necessarily um, like are, are aware of on a day-to-day basis. So like, you know, you talk to a friend you see all the time, you're like, hey, let's go for a walk. And it's like, oh, you know, actually my grandparents live with me or like I go to see them at this, you know, things you weren't really in your, in your, um, preview or um, in front of you, just like, oh, there's like, that's this is going on, or, you know, um, my parents are a little older. And so, you know, that changes regardless how I feel about this, that changes how I re- uh, interact with people right now. And, and um, so it's been interesting kind of getting to know people differently um, as a result of that as well. So, certainly has. I'm uh, on the other side of that. It's like, I'm a, I'm, I'm not a great, communicator or i'm i would say that like i'm not even really a great friend to a certain extent like i'm a i'm i'm a very like just by instinct i'm like a diehard loner yeah so most of the time most of the day i feel fine and then it gets to that night that nighttime spot where i would generally go to a show or to the door at the rex and then i start to get like all all jittery but Uh, it's not so much no, sure. I was going to say, I've actually been very, like, from the beginning of this, I actually said, you know, because people are like, oh, all those extroverted people. And I was like, this is going to be harder on the introverted people, right? Because, like, you know, you can be introverted and have your accidental um, bump-ins with people. But if you haven't built some of those connections where they're more on purpose, now when those incidental kind of connections have been taken away from you, it's like you're really alone. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm lucky. I'm in Burlington at my parents' place, so I've had cool. at least people. I mean, on one side, it's like, okay, I'm 30-something years old, and I'm recording a podcast in my parents' basement, no. but we got the dogs here, my parents are here, everything's... Cool. Are you close to the water in Burlington? Or... Yeah. Yeah, about... Awesome. Probably like a five-minute walk. Oh, that's awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay, man. Like, you know... The... I think the big thing about that is like you're creating, right? Which is, I think, the key to what's going on right now. And it's like, can you not just create, but like not necessarily create in a creative way, but just like, can you create something? Can you move forward? Can you find a way to find purpose in whatever all of the, all of this is? And, um, you know, and so that like, you know, you have, 
you have the things that you kind of are that are moving you that are not um, dependent on an external kind of things coming together. It's like, what can you create for yourself? So it's kind of, it's, I think it's cool and awesome that you just done a podcast. I listen to tons of podcasts, um, you know, and so it's, uh, it's, it's nice to just see, nice to be in a space where people are kind of allowing them, pulling out stories from people that wouldn't necessarily be co- come out and uh, just creating something in their own way and giving like the world, like what they have to offer, you know? Yeah. It's uh, I mean, it's, it's tough. <laughs> like I started this about a, a year ago and I've, I've run into a few uh, phases where I stopped doing it just because it's uh, it's often more work than I want it to be. Like I don't, I don't want as much as I love the, uh, this part, the sitting down and yeah. talking to someone and the final product, the in-between is a lot and yeah. I don't want it to take away from my practicing as much as it's been. So it's a double-edged thing, but yeah. it keeps me, uh, it's just something to keep going while we're going through all this, yeah. I think. Um, have you been able to, like, what's your creative situation these days? Has it been same old with the exception of people? Or? No, it's, I'd say it's been a little rough, right? Like at the onset of this, um, there was a lot of energy and inspiration and like, great, like I've got all this time to focus on my music and um, I've got a ton of voice notes that I want to go back and, you know, transcribe them to paper so I can just lay them out in front of me, see what they look like, see what all these ideas are doing. And that kind of lasted for about, I don't know, like four to six weeks. And then as this dragged on, it was just sort of like, you know, took the wind out of your sails, right? So, um, and, and so there's been a big lull of just like, uh, like, can this be over already? And, you know, part of that lull, what pushed that lull was just being like, oh, this is dragging on for a little longer than I thought I would, but it'll be done soon. So then you stop kind of being motivated or doing stuff. And then you're like, oh, wait, it's like, it's not, it's, it's not really just longer than we thought and going away soon it's like staying so now i'm trying to get back to that space where um i'm trying to just build in some sort of routine um and like you know for me i always try to kind of not be as odd as this sounds i tried not to be too creative or focused on um creating as opposed to just practicing the habits so I feel, because I feel like um, if the, there's pressure on you to kind of sit at the piano and create something or create something beautiful or something like that, you know, you can that can be pretty frustrating. But if at least you can kind of create some habits around, you know, certain routines, then when you are motivated, that just is like extra to what you're doing as opposed to if you're like expecting yourself to kind of be brilliant in every moment. Yeah, I, I'm in the same this I've gone through all of the 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 I'm in I'm into this I'm out of this I'm tired of this motivated it's just been like it's like I'm I'm kind of turning into uh like habits are are so important I'm learning through all this just like yeah. getting up and just having order to my day is kind of a huge thing so I'm not sure the transition back to reality is going to be 
kind of interesting, I think. Yeah. But yeah, the whole figuring out how to just keep the knives like somewhat sharp. Yeah. It's a bit of a just like sludging through. Yeah. I would say forcing yourself to shower, you know, um, forcing yourself to get up for something when it feels like there's nothing to get up for. And like, I feel like the, the shower has been a big one. Like, cause for me, if I can get up and, and have a shower, it's a different day than if I'd like kind of just slowly, you know, get to it or don't get to it, you know, and start moving around. But like the shower kind of prepares me that, okay, there's something, there's something today to be done. Just figuring. Good, good. <laughs> um, yeah. I heard you on the uh, on Friendly Rich's podcast, and uh, I thought there was some. Now, actually, now that I've brought it up, I forget what I wanted to ask you about. <laughs> well, uh, all right. I hope it'll come to me. Um, yeah, you got time. I was on your. Uh, I was checking out the Eggbo Foundation. Yeah, and I read your bio, and it says you're currently at. Does it still it, say I'm still at? I think, yeah. Oh, I gotta get. Oh man, I gotta. I, that, that site is so old. It's like it's it's embarrassing. Like I need to just deal with it. I didn't put the setup myself, so I'm not the most tech savvy or like website ish, you know, guru or anything like that. Which is really kind of just a lame excuse now because there's so many free things to like put a website so like it's literally embarrassing to like even just be like that's that's the website that's been up for over a decade like it um uh but no i'm not at right now i was there like a decade ago and like oh. that needs to that needs to change oh my gosh like i knew you were around but i didn't know if you were doing it like online or or something but... no, no no yeah all right and i think if i was doing it online it wouldn't be appearing on yeah on my bio right now currently doing although i'd say the online thing is moving away like i feel like maybe a decade ago you'd be not embarrassed to be like oh i'm doing a course online but it wouldn't have been like that much of a big deal but now it's like you know it's legit right it's very much that's part of the way people are learning that's part of the way a lot of people are are working and even more so now you know so um but yeah no i'm not there <laughs> Yeah. Um, I, 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 I think uh, that's I think that's hilarious. Yeah, okay. I mean the foundation's still operating. We're still doing tons of stuff, which is also part of the embarrassing part of that. Which is like it's not like that's the last time we did anything. We've done a done ton of stuff since then. This past summer we did a big project, getting art kits to kids um, across the city. So we reached like three thousand kids um, from Scarborough to Brampton. And so yeah, again like there's no need for that website not to be updated because there's been quite a bit going on. So. Um, how can people help out or donate or get involved um, with that? You know, the easiest way, because I'm a little lazy and I don't like uh, printing up tax receipts. If you go to CanadaHelps.org, um, most um, or probably all of your favorite charities like are are set up there um, like uh, as a place to donate. Like you can either, uh, I find that some websites either have it the link on their website to do it that way or you can donate through their own website depending on how they're set up but for me i always direct people to the canada helps um uh site just because um if they donate there donate there they get automatically receded and like all that 
sort of administrative stuff I don't have to deal with. Um, so usually uh, that's kind of where I would direct people towards. So. All right, cool. For me, I've been super, super, super blessed and super uh, fortunate that um, I've had a lot of opportunities and I've come from, you know, some of these underrepresented communities. And, you know, the whole reason why I play music is because there was an organization that made it affordable for kids um, in the neighborhood that I grew up in to take music, right? So the the foundation for me is not even necessarily a, a piece of like a lot of people like, oh, that's so great, you give back. But for me, it's really just, you know, it's more just kind of a, uh, a continuation of the support that I've gotten. And it's just like kind of making sure that that, can, that legacy kind of continues um, in one way or another, however small I can do it. Uh, and then the other side of it too, is that I, I've also been very fortunate that I started kind of diversifying um, really just out of interest, not necessarily out of, um, it's uh, not necessarily out of like necessity or wanting to move in a different space, but from a, from a career standpoint, professionally, I started doing a, a bunch of different things. Like we've done some real estate, I was at the bank just recently and, and now got a new job. So I was actually fortunate that along with music, I was, I've had other things as well going on. Um, and that was really just, you know, um, when I was doing music full time, I was very I was there again, I was very fortunate. So, you know, the income was great. Um, uh, it was very sustainable in what I was doing. But I felt like I had interest in other areas and wanted to kind of explore that. So uh, together, you know, I was finding this really great space to kind of do and explore, um, you know, different facets of myself. And like, uh, and so I was fortunate that when the pandemic hit, I actually had the full time job um, at the bank. And so I was in a really um I was in a good place, uh, or I would not say a good place. I was in a bit of a better place because of that. Um, when when the music income disappeared, uh, I really still missed the music income because it was actually more than um, what I was uh, making at the bank, which seems kind of odd because uh, it was, you know it took up less hours. But at least there was something to kind of keep me moving forward. And so part of like you know when I talked about the motivation. Um, I also had a routine that I was able to continue. So, you know, small things that you take for granted, like it's odd how like that mundane going to work, coming home, um, which wears on you when you lose that ability, you're just like, oh, okay. It's like, you know, that's something I I needed to to be thankful for. Um, And, you know, just to kind of touch on the art kits, part of the reason why that happened was when this initially the city had said they weren't going to run summer camps and you know for me knowing how my summers had been as a kid these day camps and summer camps were extremely important and they're very important in like um, many communities because it's, it's school is done and so for a lot of families like they don't have childcare, right so i was just like man there's gonna be a bunch of kids who have nothing to do um and a friend of mine has an art company uh they were doing certain kits but like i know what they were doing was maybe not necessarily accessible um, from uh, from a stamp um, a price standpoint, and so I uh, just was like, maybe I can raise enough money to get it to as many kids as possible. Initially, I was just like, oh, there's some money in the bank with the foundation, so I did that. And once I kind of had that idea, it snowballed into, ah, oh, we should see how many kids we can reach. Um, and then 
from there, that snowballed into somebody connected me with um, Canadian Tires, a uh, not-for-profit arm, which is called Jumpstart, and they donated all the chalk. And um, so it really, something I thought that was going to take me the entire summer to kind of really do, unfolded in a matter of like two weeks, and uh, and we were able to do that. So I think, you know, and I think for me, that's like, you know, how do you keep yourself sane during the um, pandemic? That was probably one of the most important things that happened for me in terms of just uh, my ability to stay kind of positive and have things to look forward to um, while that was going on. That's awesome. Uh, that, that's yeah, like... I, I think I think so. Not for me. I just think it's all, I I honestly feel like I was lucky that I was able to do that. You know, um, uh, and so yeah, I think some of those. Yeah, it's like that's you know to your point, like like how do we find meaning right now in with everything that's just going on, like on uh, on any level, and um, yeah, and I think that for me it's just about connection and always just trying to connect with people, and I was uh, like I said, really lucky to have been able to kind of for that to come th- come together the way it did. Yeah, that's awesome. It's um, do you know how many kids you ended up reaching or? Yeah, it's about 3,000. So what the other cool thing was for me, like I'm connected to a lot of community organizations, um, but I basically put the word out and, and asked friends who were connected to other organizations. And so we hit organizations I had never even heard of. So, and what was cool, like literally organizations from all the way from Scarborough to Brampton um, and new communities that uh, um, I got uh, introduced to. And it was really, it's for me, it was exciting to kind of just see um, where these communities were. Um, you know, just primarily, like, I think a lot of the communities that are outside of the sort of center of the GTA, like, and when you get to the North Yorks or the, um, uh, you know, the Rexdales or the Scarboroughs, like when the, what I, what I like to say is like when the subway is not like you're, once you're off of the subway grid, essentially, and it's like buses, those are more disconnected communities. Um, and a little more isolated and like there's a lot of they need a lot more support I think sometimes in the sort of downtown um, communities just because they're they're closer to where things are happening right Um, some people might disagree with me but I know that's kind of how what some of the things that I've seen Um, and they don't necessarily get the attention or highlight on what the work they're doing as uh, maybe some of the more um, visible um, organizations within the core. Jay, actually, I should send you some stuff, man. Like, I'm going to send you, so some of the work we did, like, there's, yeah, there's a ton of it. I'm, I'm like, I'm very excited uh, about the foundation and like, and in some ways, uh, this will sound weird, in some ways kind of disappointed too. Um, and excited because like we've been able to do some really really cool things disappointed because we've been able to do some really really cool things and so as a result i feel like we should be doing even more however i also know that you know my limitations um (laughs) uh in in myself and so but i will send you i'm going to send you kind of so we did one of the programs we ran um a documentary was filmed um on the program and the um and so i'm just sending it to you right now it's like one of the things i'm probably uh again sort of bittersweet um one of the things i'm a little most proud of um we i created this uh program to run 
at a school in, in a neighborhood uh, in, in North York and in, in Jane Finch area. And we, it, because of the success of the of a pilot that I had done, um, TV on Bravo had um, asked to kind of to follow the program and um, document it in a documentary series, which um, came out in Hot Docs a few years ago. And so I've, I've got it up on my YouTube from the foundation, and it's like it's it's really what we were able to kind of like do in a few months with the kids and where they kind of came to like was part of really my vision however is the type of thing i thought you know only happens once you've had a few years with kids um and i think the way the kids opened up and really just came to life with um this music little little, little music program was was very very inspiring i used to have a hard time watching it um it's easier for me to watch it now um but uh, but it's a very sweet um hour-long uh, documentary so i just got it the link i think yeah yeah um does it have a title yeah it's called listen listen up no listen to this yeah listen to this sweet um so this is how you started playing uh it's it's essentially so my so my beginnings I, I don't know um if you know but so I moved to Canada when I was four and um from I thought you were born here yeah no well I yeah I wasn't born here but I've been but essentially might as well be right been here since I was four and I moved here from Nigeria um and basically the story as the story goes is that I wasn't adjusting well um in school and uh, my mom basically says that my kindergarten or grade one teacher was just like, there's something wrong with your kid. He's super hyperactive. You know, he doesn't, um, uh, you know, he can't sit still and he probably needs to go to a doctor and, and be checked out. I think, he, you know, you need to put him on Ritalin or something like that. Um, and my mom, who, you know, she's a single mother at the time. My dad hadn't moved to Canada yet. So she's figuring this stuff out and somebody's telling her there's something wrong with their kid and they need to put them on drugs. And the odd part of this story is like, I think basically the, from my understanding of it is that she's like in the school lobby and kind of like, you know, in tears or something. And somebody comes up to her and, they're, and they say, hey, what's the matter? And she, you know, tells, explains to them that like, oh, they said there's something wrong with my kid. I need to, um, you know, put him uh, on drugs or whatever. And then the person said to her, they're like, oh, there's nothing wrong with your kid. You know, he probably just needs something to, you know, keep his attention. So uh, there's a music school down the street that gives uh, lessons subsidized for kids. So you should take him there. And so that's kind of how I started playing the piano. So there's a, in a community center called Dixon Hall, which I'm, uh, I sit on the board of now, and actually funny enough, um, and uh, been involved with the school ever since. But they... At the time, they and still do, but they would give they give lessons to kids in the neighborhood. Now I think they've got operations in Parkdale, but this is in Regent Park, and um, they give lessons to kids subsidized, kind of on a sliding scale based on um, the family income. So I literally I started taking piano lessons for two dollars a lesson, and like probably, and I think it took a, for about a, about a decade, from like six to sixteen. Like my lessons were like fairly fairly, like nominal, like not what you know, you would expect of the caliber of lessons that I was getting, clearly of the caliber of lessons I was getting. Um, and that was kind of that, how that got started. And I took other lessons as a kid and was fortunate to, you know, do some performing and 
summer camps and other things like that. Uh, but that's that's kind of where all of that all of this stuff is kind of stem for me, which is just knowing that creating just a few opportunities for people can really make a big difference. And you know, I see it in my life where it's like you know we just chatted about all the different things I've been doing in terms of like professionally and career wise. But all of them actually have a stem from music because the gateway to some of those uh, jobs and positions have been the network and connections that I've made through through my music. Or, you know, even um, if we talk about the foundation, the foundation, I, I created the foundation when I was 19, which is absolutely ridiculous to have this like uh, charitable uh, foundation and like entity when you're like 19. But the reason why I got created was I was teaching um, who's now become a friend and mentor of mine. I was teaching uh, a guy piano who was a lawyer. We happened to just be chatting. And uh, one day, you know, he invited me up to his cottage and we're there and we're, we're, you know, just talking about life. And he says, hey, what would you like to do? And I was like, oh, eventually in life, I'd love to create a foundation. And uh, he was just like, oh, we should help you with that. And then it just was there. And then it just got created. Um, and then all of these like wonderful things over the years, specifically with the foundation, have happened and occurred. And I think for me, it's just been that, like, that's that's just what life has been. It's just like all these like various opportunities that have opened up um, and whether or not they are music opportunities or something else, the base of them has been um, uh, the music for me uh, or that connection that's been kind of the thread that has made a spider web out to a lot of these things. And so, um, you know, I, I think about how important those opportunities were and so even knowing now when I'm trying to provide different opportunities for kids, it isn't necessarily about really just the music or the art or whatever it is, the opportunity that is, but it's how that can translate into something else. And that can be kind of the start of like a domino sort of knocking over and creating other things. So, yeah, I've been, you know, I always like, not everything works out like the way you want it to, for sure. So not everything's like obviously been easy or perfect, but I think that um, it's definitely kept me on a trajectory that's been um, one that it wouldn't have been there without those opportunities. It's crazy to me that you started it when you were 19. When I was <laughs> like, just if I think back to what I was doing when I was 19, it's like yeah. what a mess um did you or did your did your mom see like an immediate like a, a transition when you started playing piano or like was there like an immediate like um shift in your uh i guess the behavior that you described so you know what it's funny that you asked that because nobody ever asks me that and i actually don't know the answer for that because i've never asked my mom like hey so when I started playing piano, did that solve everything? Um, I think probably not because like, I'm still, you know, a bit of a shithead. So like, you know, <laughs> uh, so I, I think that uh, I can't imagine that, that it did, but maybe it gave, it gave a few, it added a few more elements to, to who I was and maybe some depth. Um, but that's a good question. Cause I should ask my, um, my mom back. Cause usually that's where the, the answers or the questions stop, which is like, you know, why did you stop playing, start playing piano? this that but you know no one ever asked me uh, hey so did it, did it work and it's like yeah <laughs> uh did you feel a shift like when did you immediately feel attached to the piano or uh you know what i i would say i was told that when they put me when i went to the music school um i sat in a room with a piano 
um, by myself while my mom spoke to the director of the music school. And my mom says that I started playing the piano. Um, I don't think I was playing the piano. I was like probably just plunking some things out. Um, I think like my understanding as a kid, like I did a ton of stuff. Um, and so very young, um, music was really just one of the things I did. Uh, I had very strict parents. So I played like anything I do to get out of the house I did. So I, you know, I played um, every instrument I could. So I took piano, I took drum lessons. At one point in time, I was taking tuba lessons. And then I played like every sport I could, like played soccer, played basketball. Um, so at the time for me, music was just another another thing that I did. Uh, um, you know, my parents were like super strict. And uh, <laughs> uh, so it was just like anything, if there's an opportunity to like kind of get out and like hang out with people and, and make friends, um, I, I was there. But uh, I didn't, I didn't really see I didn't really think of uh, music as this monumental thing. I just saw it as an extension of one of the various things that uh, in my life were happening. Um, do you and Lauren play a lot at home? Is that a, a thing or? No, we're trying to get to that place. Cause like, especially when we first, so funny enough, like I actually only reached out to her when she moved back to Toronto because I wanted to play with her. Um, like I was thinking about what was next, the next album and I wanted to have maybe some more upright bass and um, Randall who like, you know, is awesome bass player. Um, but from an upright standpoint, like, like Lauren is like superior. So, but you know, it is what it is. She's a much better upright player. And so I was like, man, Lauren's back in town and we used to play. And so I was just like, Oh, it would be cool to kind of like do some stuff I'm thinking about for upright bass. It would be great to have her, um, be on the record on a couple of tunes, you know, she's around. Um, and actually, I didn't know she was first around. Initially, I saw her on Instagram playing at like the Kensington Jazz Market um, Jazz Festival. And I was just like, oh, like, hey, let's like, let's grab a coffee before you go back to New York. And she's like, oh, actually, I'm in town. And then I was like, oh, cool. Like, like let's get together. And I'm like, man, that'd be cool to kind of play with her because we hadn't played since. So that's over a decade ago. And, um, and then when we ended up starting a date, I was just like, it just kind of was not only that was sort of off the table and this is kind of silly, but like I'm a little intimidated by her as a musician. And so like, I just kind of like, don't want to play with her. Like, I really like, she's like, we should jam. And I'm just like, yeah, I don't really want, because in my mind, like, you know, my naive mind and like, you know, um, a little self-conscious about my playing. I'm just kind of like, oh man, you spent all this time in New York. You've played with like really good jazz players, but like, that's, you know, that's like also a big jazz hub center. So I don't like to me all of the flaws I think of in my playing to me I just was like especially as a bass player um and someone who's played a lot of solo piano and all the bad habits you get from doing that it's like oh they're gonna be so glaring out to her I'm like I don't really want to put her through that and like I like and then, you know my mind I'm just like uh maybe she'll rethink one dating me you know if I yeah, if, if she realized I'm not really that great of a piano player so like <laughs> so yeah, to answer your question not really um We've done a few gigs together. Um, uh, like I brought her in on a few things that I've done where it's just easy because the two of us. But um, for the most part, it's uh, it's kind of a, it's. I wouldn't say so much. It's a separate thing. It is a separate thing. But also, she like she has her crew of people who she plays with, and like I think that's great. And uh, you know, the less she has to lean on me for. Um, you know, not executing her music properly, the best, better she's off. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've never heard, I don't think I've any ever heard anyone say 
solo piano makes you develop bad habits? What what is that? What do you mean by that? So so by that I mean like, and again, this is probably more of a self conscious thing than anything else, which is that when you play, and I remember like um, when I kind of connect with like gospel piano players too, and like where they play and like generally I think too if you're a jazz player like you should be playing the you should be comping with your left hand differently if you have a bass player than if you're playing solo piano so and what I mean by that is like like you shouldn't be playing roots like you know I'm so used to owning a space where I play by myself without bass player that when I play a bass player I need to um, tailor what I'm doing with my left hand so that I leave the that creativity in that area for you you know and play a lot, a lot more rootless voicing so that you can do different things with what you want to do with those bass notes but I can still play the voicings and they'll work you know if you're doing like you know whatever the not to get all technical but like if you're doing like you know substitutions and things like that and so from that standpoint it's sort of like oh and like I you know and I remember that I feel like I've, I've got some like early jazz days as a kid traumas of like you know bass players being like oh, you play you play a lot of roots huh don't you yeah. <laughs> you know how to play without roots <laughs> so, like I literally like you know maybe that's a certain like echelon of like jazz player but I think I think there's yeah there's definitely for me you know, uh, uh, a, a huge insecurity around like jazz as a in its pure form and whether or not I execute that. And that's and that would be one of the those traumas of like playing with, with really great bass players, jumping in jam sessions, thinking I knew what I was doing. And then a bass player just being like, why are you playing so many roots? Like, did you want me to play with you or not? <laughs> I, I love when piano players play roots. Uh, I'm a big fan of it. Um, I think that the, like, I, I, I don't know. I just love the, uh, piano player plays a root and then I play that note down low and it's like sort of, I'm a little bit out of tune and you can, you can tell it's the same pitch, but yeah. there's like a little bit of rub. It, it's like, I love it, but yeah. I guess I'm not a typical, <laughs> typical human in a lot of ways. Um, one of my first um, solo nights working the door at the Rex, I worked about maybe a month or so of just shadowing the guys so I could figure yeah. everything out. And this was obviously pre, pre-COVID. pre um, yeah. My first solo night was one of the Eggbo Trio shows. Okay. It was a, it was a Sunday, Sunday early show. I would, I would. Okay. Yeah, because of the changeover, but I just, uh, I let too many people in. We were over capacity, and I, I walk over to the bar, and, and they're and they're just, like, waving their arms. or like, just close the door. Stop letting people in. What are you doing? What, like, it was, it was a crazy, crazy, uh, I miss the days of the Rex being slammed. Yeah, oh, for sure. So do I. It's funny, the Rex, you know, when I, when I was a kid, um, or, like, my early days i remember going to the rex and being like this place is such a dive like why do people come here i was like i didn't like it um and like 
it's not even so much I didn't like the vibe. I think I didn't understand the vibe and like it was a different world for me. I remember just being like, oh, whatever about the Rex. And it wasn't until I think I came back to Toronto after being away, being mm -hmm. kind of reintroduced to the Rex, you know, um, what really kind of pushed it to was like when Jeff started playing with, with me uh, and, and kind of joined the trio. Um, and he was like, hey, you know, like, you know, and he was like always at the Rex to like, come have a drink with me. And I think as that point, like I hadn't really recorded, uh, I hadn't recorded any trio music, but I hadn't done really any recordings um, until that time where the trio started kind of like doing quite a bit of playing and, you know, solidifying the first record was with, with Jeff on um, drums and how important the Rex became as a place to kind of showcase that music and actually have a home to like do that and and it was just kind of for me it was a big just kind of like man you just missed out on a bunch of years of spending time here and getting some really good like you know learnings and like things like that and it was just like i don't know why you've been afraid or whatever for whatever reason you've avoided this place but this is such an important space like in the city and uh you know and it's become just like for me just an awesome the value I have for it, like, I just kind of like kicked myself that like I hadn't truly kind of gotten that or understood that sooner. Um, and uh, yeah, it's been like, you know, since the, especially the, since the recording stuff is kind of taken off and Washington well, takes taken off since I've started recording more music and having albums, it's just become like, you know, a place that has really been important for that development um, as a trio, as a, you know, as a musician and kind of that next, the next iteration of wherever I'm going artistically, you know? Yeah. I had the exact identical thing happen to me. I didn't love the Rex until I moved back and it was like, um, I kind of left because of what I thought the Rex was. Yeah. And, uh, it just nothing really made sense to me, but it it was like, um, I think there's this, there's just like a, I mean, I, I can't even describe it, but it just feels like yeah. such a home for everyone yeah. and everything. And, uh, the fact that I can work the door there almost every night when we're open and then yeah. also play my wacky shit there every now and again it's just like yeah. like I, I don't know what more we can ask for like i i mean i used to hang out at, at smalls quite a bit yeah, yeah because of that like the community like you'd i'd more so go to just like see some pals opposed to like whatever music was playing you just yeah you're walking by you stop in and that's what it but now that's what the rex is and yeah, yeah. i just always thought that I don't know. Maybe there was a bit of a, oh, I, uh, I, I'm not cool enough to fit in here kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't know. But yeah, I can't say. And then they, they saved me like during the, during this pandemic, like I was working overnights yeah. there for a while and I didn't cool. qualify for the, for some Serb. of the Serb stuff. So yeah. they just like totally, it, it's, I, yeah. I don't know. Can't say enough good things. Oh, for sure. Like, you know, we talked about it at the beginning of this conversation and just the connection, how important connection is, is, 
And, you know, I think the thing for me with this pandemic is like, where's that, where's your community? Where's your connection? Where are those touch points? And like keeping, you know, keeping that in the front of your mind and, and just being, being able to have like things like that. Yeah. I love hearing that. And um, I know again, just for me in terms of like how important that space has been um, and is, is I'm like, yeah, I can't wait till those doors open right? and so we can, so I can get back in there and, uh, and show it the love it deserves, you know? Yeah. Now it, it took, it took a, uh, took a global health crisis for me to get some gigs there. And that's a grudge that I'm going <laughs> to hold. But sometimes that's the way, you know, way it goes. I, you know, I hadn't searched really for gigs and there. And, um, again, like, you know, Jeff kind of pushed a lot of that cause he, he's playing there a lot with so many different people. And, uh, yeah, you get a, you, you just have to play a couple times where you're like, okay, I get it. I appreciate it. And this is like, this is, this is okay. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and also too, I think we're in a, we're in a space where we just don't, I won't say we don't have as many places to play anymore, but it's a very kind of, uh, it's a very accessible place to, to play for many different reasons. Um, you know, and, you know, we've lost, uh, a lot, you know, we've lost some of the older places. And I think the biggest thing that we lost when the city lost top of Senate in Montreal Bistro, which is that we lost that certain caliber of jazz musician who was, I shouldn't say caliber, but we lost a certain um, continuous caliber of jazz musician who was coming into the city. Because uh, we still get people coming in and like, you know, the space between, I think it's the space between the Rex and Kerner Hall is we don't have we don't have that anymore and i think that's a that's a ecosystem that um used to exist in a city that doesn't really exist exist there anymore so yeah i think about that a lot um and i think the next little while post or however you want to think about it once we get back to a more normal way of living um it's going to be interesting because there's going to be a lot of bands that um, are going to be wanting to play and they're not going to be able to play big rooms, I think. Yeah. So I think that might leave a whole other, um, a whole other like level of bands that might really want to come play at the Rex. I think because I don't imagine like, I mean, I'd, obviously, I don't know how the, the business works entirely, but I don't imagine being on tour and stopping at in Toronto to play Kerner Hall yeah. at less than capacity is worth your time. Yeah. You, I, I just, I feel like the, the overhead for that would be kind of, what I don't know. Who knows? No, you're totally right, right? You know, those, those big rooms are going to have to re-figure out their funding models. You know, I think, you know, the unions who like have a stronghold would draw, drive up some of those prices in terms of like how much it t- costs to maintain or operate those rooms. They're going to have to, re- you know, look at that. Um, but you bring up a point because now does that mean all of a sudden all those, you know, some of those smaller rooms, uh, you know, places like the Transact Club and things like that, does that now breathe a new, breathe new life into those spaces? Because, you know, because there's fewer venues, but two, there's more more of these people still need to play and they need to find more of these spaces to do it, do it in. So, 
um, maybe, maybe that's uh, maybe that's the kind of um, lemonade out of this is that maybe some of the smaller smaller rooms and you know fortunately of the ones who survive uh, maybe now there's a new, an opportunity for new life to be kind of like uh, breathe breath into them so yeah hopefully hopefully <laughs> it seems yeah. like uh we can only hope yeah i yeah like i read that article in the star today about that one doctor was like there's going to be a third wave in april and i'm just like why are you telling us this just like yeah, <laughs> yeah at this point right well you know i'm on the side too where like i, I and uh um i'm I, one of those people that was convinced that this had already been in circulation well before it became mainstream and that you know most of the population had already gotten it so um you know it's sort of like are we yeah not to get not to get all like yeah be you got to be careful what you say these days right so like not, not, to on, this, run, not, not yeah, on this one though you... yeah not to run down that rabbit hole but i'm just i've just been i i think for me it's just anything that stops you from living and, you know, some people may make the argument that it did stop people from living, but I, you know, it's at some point in time, we have to figure out how to move forward. Um, maybe we don't get to move past it, but like we have to figure out how to move forward. Um, and, you know, whatever that looks like, and it doesn't look the same for everyone. Um, they're clearly at the speed that they're moving, not going to get everybody vaccinated um in any sort of um expedient way so if that's the case like what what you know how do we how do we manage and like so you know because you know people need to people need to work and people need to and even those even and the thing is too here's the crazy part even the ones who are working it's they're not all doing well either so um so you know so society collectively is going to have to figure out you know, are we going to allow sort of the fear to kind of be the thing that rules what, how we govern ourselves moving forward, or are we going to try and find a way, you know, to positively kind of grow out of this? So, but I don't know. I don't have the answers. <laughs> yeah, it's, I go through so many spirals. Of, I think the the big, the main problem is that I, I read too much. So like I just go down spirals of stuff that is yeah. it's not important information it's just stuff that makes me upset yeah. and you know but yeah. I, I i think that it's it's getting a little so i do think that at a certain point most people are just really just they're trying their best and there's a certain point numbers get to a certain spot and the people in charge of things just kind of start flailing you know, because yeah. I think a lot of the rules don't make a, a ton of sense to me. Oh, for but, sure not. But whatever. whatever. Well, this this latest one didn't make any sense. Where it was like, be home by eight, but we won't enforce it. And like, you know, there was, I remember, where was, I need to go get something at the at the grocery store. So I went to Loblaws, which, you know, I, I try to avoid going to, but, um, and, then was, and it was like, I think 7.30 or something. And I look in my, the, I was like, oh, I got to search what time they close because I guess they're closing at eight. And I look online and I'm like, they close at 10. I'm like, how do they close at 10 if you're, everyone's supposed to be in at eight? Uh, 
like uh, like what like i think for me like regard like regardless of all a bunch of this stuff it's it's been the inconsistency of what gets locked down who gets locked down and how we're dealing with this which is like we're not dealing with it you just prioritize certain things over other things and um you know force like very significant hardships on people um in a way that like hasn't been evenly distributed like so yeah did we freeze no no i'm here are you there yeah yeah can you hear me can you hear me i did not freeze can you hear me can you hear me there you are did not yeah. Freeze. yeah yeah okay okay Sorry. That's so funny. I'm like, yeah. I was like, I did not freeze. I'm here. I'm here. You didn't freeze. That your your volume just cut out for a second. Oh, did it? Okay. I think. Whatever. We're back. Yeah. Let me see. I'm in. I'm in my earbuds, so maybe they're running low or something. Do you have any? Um, do you have anything to promote? Are you Are you doing stuff or? No, oh, actually, you know, it's, uh, when's this airing or when's it coming out? Uh, Tuesday. Tuesday. So, I guess Tuesday, I think the Wednesday, um, there is a Heritage Minute that I was a part of um, that's, uh, that's coming out. So, oh, those uh, like those short commercial? Things? Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, the uh man it was a while ago I think about a year and a half ago maybe a little more i was asked to um i was asked if i would play oscar peterson in um heritage minute so uh it's coming up for black history month so i think it comes out on the 17th and um you'll be able to see it february february yeah that's awesome um it, uh, were other musicians in it with you or yeah and you'll have to forgive me because i'm like kind of forgetting their names right now it's odd because like these other musicians are in it and um what's crazy is like i didn't really at the time know them and i was just like man even if you haven't really played with anybody you still kind of know people so yeah uh, uh brandon <laughs> brandon davis and clarence jones yeah, yeah. Where did you find that? Uh, Jazz FM ninety one. Just their just oh, okay. an article. Yeah, I yeah. Know, I know Brandon. Do you know Brandon? Okay. Yeah. We were in New York yeah, at the same time. Oh, were you? They're cool guys, man. They're they're like they're awesome. Um, great great musicians. Um, the uh, but yeah, like I said, like it was such an interesting day where. We kind of just jumped on stage and i think i feel like we only met each other once we got to the stage and then we just kept jamming over our blues over and over again and then it was it and then it's like we went our separate ways that's super cool <laughs> yeah well that's yeah. sweet i didn't like i didn't <laughs> usually ask someone if they have anything to promote and they're like yeah i'm doing a doing a facebook live tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> I didn't expect like an actual thing. That's awesome. Uh, um, yeah, the timing the timing's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. We should say um 
uh, while, while we're here and I just pulled, um, some other stuff up, um, definitely, you know, uh, condolences to, um, the, uh, Chick Corea, uh, family. And, uh, I don't know if you know, Denny Christensen he used to be, um, the artistic director at, for a number of years. Mm-hmm. Um, I was the, uh, yeah, he was there and, um, yeah, I'm trying to think of what else is going on. Uh, we but, lost, uh, I believe we lost Milford Graves today. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Dark, dark couple days. It's been an interesting, like, yeah, the COVID, like, you know, at the early set, onset, like a bunch of people would laugh, like, actually, um, you'll laugh at this story, but good friends of mine, um, like some mentors of mine, are really good friends with uh, Christopher Plummer. So I've met him on a number of occasions and spent time with him, had dinner and things like that. Um, so, you know, a shout out to uh, um, Mr. Plummer, uh, definitely great Canadian uh, actor. And uh, um, it's funny to kind of think of him as a Canadian actor because he's such a major, like... Yeah. Um, I didn't I, know he was like Canadian. He, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so it's such a yeah, major, like... Yeah, we, you know what I mean? Yeah, you're kind of like, oh, yeah, you're Canadian. Yeah, born, born in Montreal, I believe. Um, and so funny thing that I learned of recently was that, uh, that I didn't know, is he actually studied to be a classical pianist? If he had wanted to be a classical pianist. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Having to deal with losing people and... and uh not really being able to do like funerals and stuff right now must be a, must be a hell of a struggle. But for sure, that's maybe not, maybe not the, the strongest ending of a podcast. Um, uh, you know what? It's, it's a part of life, unfortunately. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. Do you have any other pressing thoughts for my idiot listeners? Um, no, just like uh, I would say, you know, stay safe, figure out um, how to keep yourself um, just how to keep yourself moving forward. You know, I won't say necessarily motivated or like whatever, but just like how do you just, you know, um, stay in tune with what will help you kind of um, keep moving and not stay standing still because uh, it's it's there's still more time in this to go. So we'll have to figure out a way that, uh, you know, uh, how we can kind of, you know, find our own peace in this, in this craziness. So. That's a, uh, we've never had uh usually I say that thing. Do you, do you have any, thoughts for my idiot listeners and it's just like a <laughs> it's just like a throwaway but thank you for your thank you for being so thoughtful <laughs> I, I appreciate it very much um this is usually uh well, well you know what you'd be surprised who's listening right so could the, i think the cool thing about what you're doing right now is like 
you know, you may feel like, hey, there's like one or two people listening or something like that. I'm, you know, being facetious. I'm sure there's like, you know, a hundred. Um, but it's one of those things where, you know, it's out, once you put it out, it's out there and it's there to live. And it's like a year from now or two years from now or 10 years from now where people go back to those recordings and it's like, oh, wow, you know? And so, you know, when there's like 3 million people, you know, plus listening to your podcast and digging through like, you know, the archives, they're like, why do you call them idiot listeners? You know, <laughs> <laughs> hopefully you're still doing that, you know, yeah. um, you know, you know, 10 years from now, but, uh, yeah, I uh, mean, it, it's the, mostly a joke because like I, it's, uh, it's mostly a joke at me is how I, yeah. I like, I'm poking fun at myself because like people yeah. are, if you're listening to my podcast, you're, probably don't have a lot going on <laughs> you yeah, know? yeah but whatever it's uh yeah. the numbers are and hey guess what right now not a lot of people do have a lot going on so and, like you know Brad, we could fill that time for you which makes it uh so much more devastating that my numbers are dropping during a pandemic